Hello, my name is Leslie Kane, and I am the host of the Why Not Today podcast. This is a podcast to celebrate people who have been courageous and said, why not today? I started this podcast in honor of my father, Patrick Kane, who often said, why not today? I am based in Reston, Virginia, a planned community right outside of Washington, D.C., and thanks for joining us today. And I'm super excited to have my guest, Karen Cleveland. And before we hear from Karen and all her wisdom, um, I always like to talk about connections and how you meet people and how you know people. And oh my goodness, Karen, I've known you forever, but not really known you forever. And you were in my father's circle and part of the chamber. And I mean, we have so many connections that go so far back from starting the chamber. And I love hearing your story about the first time you first day at the chamber and meeting my dad to my sister working for you to just knowing who you were and didn't really know you well until I think when my dad passed away and we kind of connected and started doing more. And I think really got close during COVID during all of our walks around the lake. Um, met multiple walks on the lake to get through that period. And now I am grateful to have you as a coach, a mentor, and especially a friend. Um, and I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. We're going to talk about lots of different things about courage and COVID. And I don't know, we talked about lots of different ideas. So we're just going to have a conversation here. So Karen, why don't we, before we hear your courageous story and all about courage, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and a fun fact that people might not know. Great. Well, thanks, Leslie. It's great to be here with you today. Um, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, so think of myself as a Midwesterner, and I grew up on a college campus on a football field, basically. My dad was a college football coach, and um, part of my courage story, I think, is the fact that I have five brothers and sisters, all of whom were world-class athletes or nationally ranked athletes at some point in their career, and um, while your guests cannot see me, I'm 5'10 and have been this tall since I was 11. And somehow the coordination gene just skipped me completely. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time in the bleachers, in the stands, um, wherever, cheering on my siblings and um, watching my dad coach football. So I'm an avid sports fan. I just prefer my sport to be walking around the lake. <laughs> yes, Definitely. So, and you've done lots of different things in your career, and we'll kind of talk about that. So, before we start, what does courage mean to you? You know, you asked me to think about that ahead of time, and I've really given it a lot of thought. I think that courage, you know, or being brave is inextricably, inextricably I can't even say that word, linked to confidence and really self-assuredness. And I think, at least for me, it's hard to separate the two. So courage is about being able to see where you want to go or what you want to do and living in the moment to do the right thing. And if you practice, like most skills, being courageous, I think you can draw on that when you need it. I love that. Um, and just so you know, I don't know if you had a chance to check out the website, but I have finally got my website up and everybody that's on, been on the con, con podcast, I have courage cards with your definition of courage. So we well, love that. Share that so people can share them and kind of see everybody's definition. So you've done lots in your life and had a very wide career from, gosh, remember, I didn't know this, but tout aerobics with a friend of mine from high school to all different things to run lots of organizations, been on a gazillion boards, and you really make a difference in the community. 
Um, so tell me, you know, what have you done in your life that took some courage? Oh gosh, there are so many steps in my life that really were leaps of faith. And so it, it took courage to, to get there. Um, you know, back to what it's linked to though, too, I have always spent a lot of time reflecting, trying to understand where I want to go. You know, I always think of it as sharpening your viewfinder. I don't know if a lot of your listeners are old enough to know what a viewfinder is, those things mm-hmm. you look through and, and click until you get some clarity. And that's how I like to think of my life. And so I spent a lot of time when I was younger thinking about what am I good at and what do I enjoy doing? And I was pretty good at figuring that out. The challenge for me was I didn't think there was a lot of value in what I was good at and what I enjoyed doing. So it was really the help of people in my life who were able to see my strengths and saw them as valuable, who were holding up a mirror for me. And I would say that those early times took a lot of courage to step into my own and really believe that I could be successful doing some of these things that matched my skill set and my desires really to be involved in. I've always been about helping people one way or another. And so that's been the thread through all of my career. And you're definitely doing, doing a lot of that. And I love that you were able to like tap into other people to have them look at your strengths and see, mm-hmm. um, which is a powerful tool in, in our toolbox to help us become better in who we are. That's right. I think it's the biggest gift you can give to other people is to be that person for them to yeah. yeah hold up that mirror and call them out in a good way and say, Hey, you know, I, I see this, I see you. So how do you, get people to help you with that. I never, I mean, I've, like, do you ask them to what your strengths are? Do you look at mentors and how did you go about doing that? So I think it's about putting yourself in the right position, you know, putting yourself in the place of most opportunity, if you will. And that does take courage too, sometimes to get out of your comfort zone. I still remember one of, you know, I have these strings of pivotal moments in my life that I could go back and say, This happened, and then it was a force accelerator for me in one way or another. And so I would go all the way back to when I was in college, and I was a resident advisor in the dorm, which is an incredible learning experience. I bet. (laughs) And we did a little training session one day. So it was all the advisors from a couple dorms. And just like we would do today in Leadership Fairfax, where I am today, you know, it would be a team building kind of thing. And so people had to say one word about you. So we each had our time where people would say one word or a phrase about us. And somebody said of me, Rock of Gibraltar. Hmm. And I said, what? And they said, oh my gosh, you are the strongest person I've ever met. And I did not see myself that way at all. So even though it was a shock, what I could feel is I could feel some pride that, oh my gosh, if other people see me as having strength, then how do I own that? How do I use that? So it was just that one little moment that gave me some clarity as well as some belief in 
in myself. So that was really the first, first time that that happened to me. And then again, I could point to places throughout my career where others have done that for me. Yeah. So do you seek out people or is you're just in the right situation? Like if somebody, like if I wanted to know what my strengths were, obviously I can call you, but. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Or I talk about it on a walk around the lake. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I honestly, I never asked about it to anyone. I think I was just fortunate. And like I said, I tried to put myself in the place of most potential so that I would be around people who, um, who I felt like I could learn from. And I think if you yourself are open, then people will know that they can actually share with you or, or come into that space. So to share just one other story, there was a gentleman. So I took a job. My first chamber of commerce job was with the then Fairfax County Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, it was weird. I really didn't deserve the job. I really wasn't experienced in the right areas for it. But the job just kept popping up everywhere. So I thought, I'll apply for this. And I loved being on a chamber committee before. Maybe I could do this job. So um, I think, quite frankly, the CEO was just tired of looking at resumes. And I walked in the door and he hired me. And he liked self-starters. So he liked to hire people and then just kind of throw them into the wolf's den and see if they can swim. So it was a, it was a good place for me for a while. And there was a gentleman who ran one of the committees I was in charge of. And my first month there, we had a board meeting. Now you have to understand this is Northern Virginia. In the 80s, so this is like 1980, what would that have been, 86, this town was going crazy with development. Tyson's was no longer this sleepy little corner with, you know, a little store there. Reston was booming like crazy all over Northern Virginia. And we had a very powerful board of directors. All men, except one woman, by the way. And um, only one other senior staff person that was female. So it was this whole room full of powerful men from Northern Virginia. And I'm sitting next to the chair of one of my boards. And there was a discussion about what we as Northern Virginia get back from Richmond and how much money we send to Richmond. So it was an important discussion. And first, a gentleman right across from me spoke. And he was laying on the table, like his elbows were on the table and his chin was on his hands. And I said to my committee guy, I said, who is that? And he said, oh, that would be Till Hazel, (laughs) who was really an architect of Northern Virginia development. And I said, well, why is he laying on the table? And he said, well, his cow kicked him in the back. So he's sore. And to me, to this day, that is a symbol of kind of the longevity of my time here in Northern Virginia, because Till Hazel was one of the most powerful developers, but he also lived out on a mountain and had cows and animals. Right. So a couple minutes later, gentleman right next to him pushed back from his seat and stood up and in this beautiful Virginia accent said, Mr. Chairman, may I have the floor? Mm-hmm. And everyone around that table sat back against their chairs, 
and they took in a breath and they held it and waited for this man to speak. So I turned to my guy again and I said, and who might this be? And he said, this is Earl Williams. Pay attention. I don't know who that is. Uh, And so from that day forward, I tried to fashion my leadership style after Earl Williams. So at the time, he was the CEO of a government contractor here called BDM that was bought out. I'm not sure I could remember all the, it was eventually became Northrop Grumman. And he ran for governor of Virginia. He chaired so many boards around here and was just such an influential leader in one of the kindest men and generous with his time and attention. And he was one of those people that when you would see him, you always felt like he was just waiting for you right there. Mm-hmm. And he would give you all the time in the world. Kind of like um, they always say Mary Kay Ashes, one of her best traits was that she paid attention to people. And everybody said, make sure, or imagine everybody has a sign around them so their neck that says, make me feel important. And yeah. she would spend hours and hours for people to meet her and look eyeball to eyeball to each person and give everybody equal attention. And yeah, that is leadership. And, you know, going back to kind of what you said earlier, it's like being around like-minded people, goal-oriented, makes such a difference. If you want to be known, be successful, be a part of the community. Um, You know, my father was a master of that. And, you know, he started the Reston Chamber, I mention often, but he didn't have business here. He was raising six kids in the community. And that meant important, that was important to him. And so knowing, um, who to be around. And that takes courage to introduce yourself, to get to know people, to let people know who you are. Yeah. Um, and it's being, you know, being there to help and contribute and make a difference and really because you care. And, you know, Leslie, I think particularly for women, I mean, we've come a long way in the work environment and I feel incredibly fortunate to have grown up during this time. It wasn't easy when I first started in business, but it's, you know, there are much more opportunities now But it's challenging, particularly when you're starting out, to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is a leadership skill and a trait. And it is such an important part of being a leader. But it does take courage to do that because it can be a risk. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you and I talked about lots of different subjects and we talk all the time. And so what you didn't say is that you are, is it CEO? What's your title? CEO CEO of Leadership Fairfax, which is a big job as it is. You are a trained coach and you are an excellent coach. And I think just, you know, I feel privileged that with our walk around the lake that I get coached all the time (laughs) 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 and, uh, and just kind of listen and watch what you're doing in the coaching world. And I think one of the things we've talked about since, you know, in the last three years in coaching and just life is, you know, COVID was hard and it's not over. And you keep bringing up a term called COVID hangover. And this podcast is to talk about people that are courageous and done courageous things, but also to give people hope and tools in their toolboxes. Okay. So, and I think one of the things that's kind of evolved is people are able to say, me too, like, oh my gosh, I'm not the only person out there with some of the subjects we've talked about. So talk a little bit about that and how we can help people navigate the self-awareness. Okay, this is this is what's going on. And I think you that was a perfect segue because I think it really does tie into the vulnerability piece too. 
what I've been noticing is that the hangover seems to be in two particular areas right now. Now it may affect everybody in some way, but particularly the folks that have been on the front line, it's definitely not over for them. And many of them will be dealing with trauma for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And we're so grateful for everybody that was on the front lines for all that time. The other group that it is so noticeable for is really the people who have held it all together in their work environment, whether they're managers, leaders, CEOs, but have really held it together for everyone else. And those are the same people that are holding it together for their family and their community. Yeah, one thing you mentioned earlier, which reminded me of a conversation we had talking about, you know, somebody looked at you as being strong. And that's a great trait, but it also can be a bad trait that people think of you as strong and when you're having hard times. And wasn't there an article or something you read? You told me about some powerful CEO, somebody, maybe it was a coach that said, do you remember this? That they're like, you know, nobody asked me how I am because mm-hmm. I'm so strong. You know, they well, think you got it all together when you're strong, a strong person. Nobody thinks to check on you. That's right. Well, any strength overdone can be a weakness. So let's be clear about that anyway. You know, I don't remember that specific story, Leslie, but it it certainly rings true for me that people, and it happens the further up a ladder you go to and the stronger you are on a daily basis, people don't think to ask you. So I would love for all your listeners to really think about the people in their life at all levels and, and check in with them and ask them how they are doing. And really listen to your point about how Mary Kay did is really, really listen. This level one listening where you only listen long enough to say what you have been wanting to say is not the same thing as as listening. But the thing about that I'm seeing about this COVID hangover right now is the depletion factor. That people who have held it all together all this time are really struggling to re-energize, to find any energy they're just so depleted. So I know you and I were taught, we always talk about what is our word for a year this time of year. And mine for this year has to be grace because I want to give myself grace, first of all, because I too am feeling depleted in many ways. And it's if I didn't have a to-do list that I could at least check some of the more mundane things off, I would find it really difficult to actually accomplish them. Yeah. So having grace both for ourselves and for others and recognizing in small ways what's going on with others. And ways to do that is simply by having the time, taking the time, making a phone call, even sending a text, you know, that you're thinking of someone. Please recognize what's going on with other people. And those little things can go, they can go a long way any day, but right now we need it more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. And you're paying attention to people and just those little things can make such a difference. I often wear a um, starfish necklace that reminds me that, you know, one person can make a difference. And just that kind word to somebody or just checking in with somebody or paying attention, you know, social media is out there and, you know, people post things all the time, but are you really paying attention? Are they screaming for help? Are they looking for some, right. Some great. 
Yeah. Well, and you know, it, that goes with identity as well. I mean, years ago when I worked for Habitat for Humanity, I don't even remember how I got this awareness. Sometimes things just smack you upside the head and you have to pay attention to them. And I realized that my staff thought I was perfect. They (laughs) thought I never made a mistake. I didn't do anything wrong. They just, so they were afraid to make a mistake or to tell me, you know, that something was hard or they needed help. And I was so embarrassed when I realized that because I thought if they only knew how much I screw up every day, because that's how, if you're, if you're afraid to make mistakes, you're going to get stuck and you won't continue to move forward. So I found that what I started doing, because I always would walk around anyway and visit with everyone is use that opportunity to share when I would screw something up or how I would fix something that. I thought was broken or use it as a teachable moment. And around that same time, and this is, I think I was in coaching school at the time too, which was helpful is I started paying more attention to people. I would just run into casually that I didn't know people in a coffee shop in, I don't know, standing in line at the grocery store. And I realized over that time that people had an impression of me or saw an image of me that then they had me in a box. And of course, none of us are, are that little that's in that box because we all try to show up as the best version of ourselves, but we're so much more than that. So what I started doing more, I don't know, just to see if people wouldn't think it was weird is just like, I don't know, complimenting people or some small thing. Like I might say to a complete stranger, that is the most beautiful color of pink on you. It looks fantastic. And you know, you can do something like that and brighten somebody's day. Oh, absolutely. And what I found is that just seeing a smile back really brightened my day too. So I've been able to continue that as, you know, the years have progressed and I'm so grateful for whatever motive motivated me to do that. Yeah. Again, it goes back to Mary Kay teaching. Yeah. Sign around the neck makes me feel important. And I've heard so many stories of people like having the worst day of their life and somebody smiled or somebody made a difference. And you just don't know all the little things you can do to make a difference. So I think, you know, talking about COVID hangover, I think it's self-awareness to say, all right, I'm tired. I'm depleted. What are we doing to fill us back up. And I think we've gone from survival, which we had to figure out new businesses and new lives and everything. And then we went, we're obviously not all, it's never going to be back to life before. But then I think we've gone back to over stimulation. Like during the holidays, I'm worn out. <laughs> it was, there was many days in a row, I had a lunch appointment and a dinner or a lunch party and a dinner. And like multiple things to fit all these events and stuff in and having a minute to breathe um, because we are feeling that overwhelm to like, okay, it's okay to breathe and to admit, you know, have that self-awareness to see it, but admit, okay, I need to fill me up. And what am I going to do to do that? Yeah, I think that's the best thing we could all do is have a plan of things that even if it's 
a list because quite frankly, sometimes it's exhausting just to think about when you shift gears. All right, what can I do for myself? Mm-hmm. It seems like one more burden where if you think about it ahead of time, when you're in a quiet space and it maybe if you're a person like me, a visual person, I like to write them down. I like to put a post-it next to my computer so that it reminds me to go out and walk, to go see my sweet little grandbabies next door, you know, to, to do something that is, fills that depletion, you know, that, that refills what we need. The other thing about COVID that Leslie, nobody's really talking about is that most of us were able to do that pivot in March of 2020 because we had no choice, right? right? Regardless of what kind of company or organization you're part of, you just did the pivot. You made the, did the best you could at it. Everybody was all in. We were all working more hours. So we may have been at home, but most of us were sitting in front of a computer much longer hours than we normally did. So now, yes, we've learned lessons from it. Yes, we're going to have probably hybrid work environments in the future. But now that we're coming out of it, it takes just as much work to figure out how to do this now. Right. Because nothing is the same. No. Nothing is the same. Yeah. And, you know, how to redesign it. And I think we were just in survival mode for so long. Mm-hmm. Now it's like I'm watching in the world out there, people are starting to have goals and dreams again. And like, okay, what do I want? You know, in my life, I was looking at some tracking that I used to do all the time. The last time I recorded, went through that worksheet was February of 2020. Isn't that eye opening? You know, it just got to be, okay, if I'm still here and I'm still eating, I'm still good, you know, <laughs> and not thinking forward of what we want to do that we just, you know, but we had time, you know, I'll, I remember when COVID started, we were all going to do all these projects because we were home for a week <laughs> and how many of those projects we haven't gotten done, but we did take time, I think for us, I think one of my favorite memories of COVID, if there can be a good memory, is sitting on your dock with our champagne, fresh strawberries that I picked from the, the, um, the field. I didn't pick them, but I got them from a farmer's field, you know, picked up. And we took time to do those things. Walking around the lake, you took time to talk to somebody. And how are you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something maybe we need to get back to is carving out time and space to pay attention to people. Absolutely. Because now that it's everybody's back to whatever it is, it's, you know, at warp speed again. Yeah. And ask people how they are. So maybe that should be the challenge for anybody who listens to this. Reach out to three friends and say, how are you? Or let's get together or just thinking of you. And yeah, absolutely. I have a friend of mine that um, if she's in line at the drive-thru at Starbucks, she uses that time to text people, just how are you? You know, and just thinking of you praying for you, whatever it is. Sometimes it's nice to be stuck in a line to, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, you know, to take a minute to breathe and not to look at your phone, but to look to the person next to you. And how are you? And how's your day? And, you know, have a conversation with somebody. That's right. And as long as you're coming at it from an authentic standpoint, people don't think it's weird. I think a lot of people, you know, don't do that because they think they're invading someone's privacy. Right. I don't feel that way at all. I think if you're genuine, 
people will welcome that. And, you know, you have your own barometer if you feel like you're overstepping to someone. But, you know, it's amazing the relationships you can build. I mean, really build from those random meetings. With oh, absolutely. People. You never know. You never know who that person you're going to meet or where they're going to lead you. And, and I think that's evident in your career and my life, you know, just who you've met and the connections and, you know, you just never know looking back, like, wow, how did I meet, meet that person? You know, mm-hmm. it goes so bad. I so. think one more thing about that, Leslie, that I think is really important. And I think we started the conversation here and I'd like to kind of swing back to that is surrounding yourself with people you want to be like, right? Absolutely. Who fill you in some way. And I know not everybody is in a position in a work environment where they have all the choices to, so it may be difficult for some people, but where and when you do have choices, think about it from that standpoint, what fills you? Because you are going to expend so much physical and emotional energy in our jobs because it's so much, so much time out of our lives that if you can spend it around people who fill you in some way, either challenge you intellectually, um, fill you emotionally, you have fun with whatever that is in work and in your personal life, I think it's more fulfilling. I mean, you and I really have been connected because we do so much community work. Right. And we know that our friend groups are the same people who we do our community work with because we have a shared value system around helping others and making our community a place where everybody's welcome and can thrive. So if you invest your time and your energy that way, it's going to fulfill you in ways that you probably can't even define when you get started. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, be putting yourself in those places. I remember there was a Oktoberfest and I had volunteered to sell to volunteer to help. I don't even know what I was going to do, but I had a friend visiting from out of town. He's like, do you really have to do that? I'm like, yeah, I said I was going to, I'm going to do it. He's like, well, was it going to help your business? I'm like, I don't really care. It's, I was, I committed to it. I'm going to do it. Well, there was a very powerful woman in the area that I always wanted to connect to. And sure enough, she was selling tickets with me. And I pulled out a lipstick or she pulled out a lipstick and Mary Kay came up and yes, she did become a customer, but she became a friend and a mentor and she's a leader in the area. And it was like, cause I put myself in that place. Yep. Um, and so, you know, going back to the people being around the power, people that energize you. I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and at the end she goes, I love our conversations. I always feel energized when I'm done. And I love having those conversations with people. And, but there's the opposite. And another friend recently said, do you pe- feel people's energy? I'm like, I don't know. And then I started paying attention to it. And I do. And I had coffee with another person I know one day. And it was just a negative conversation the whole way. Um, the last two minutes of our 90 minute conversation, it went way too long for me. She said, oh, what's going on in your world? And I was, I walked out of that and I'm going, okay, I'm going to protect myself. And I think because I'm gone a lot and I don't have a lot of space and time for a lot, a lot of, you know, we've met with a ton of people. I'm really being protective of my space and time and who I allow and those boundaries, you know, to know, okay, those aren't the people, those aren't my people. Do you need to take care of yourself for sure? Their self-care is shows up in so many ways. I do think in this COVID hangover, when people are feeling depleted too, 
it's even difficult to for some people to be there for their friends who are going through a difficult time as well. Because yeah. when you don't have enough energy for yourself, it's hard to have it for others, even even though you want to be there for them. And I think it's, I think one of the most difficult things for most people is to be really transparent about not just their intentions, but their feelings in situations like that. And I think one of the best things you can say, because right, we're going to notice and we're going to feed off of if you're not there for a friend, right? Is to say, to be really truthful about it and say, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, you're going through a really tough time. And I want to be there for you. I'm, I'm struggling too. And, you know, and that, yeah. And so if we can say that, that goes back to the word of the year, grace, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> so um, I know we could go forever, but we're about 30 minutes. So I don't want to go too longer. So what encouragement would you give to somebody to say, why not today and be courageous? So. I think one of the most freeing concepts I ever, I find, not ever, but I finally was able to accept and embody is that fear is of something in the future. Mm-hmm. So, so fear other than bodily fear when you're in that moment, you know, that survival mode. But what most of us think of is fearful times, something we're afraid of, afraid of failure, afraid of rejection, afraid of whatever, is we're projecting into the future. Right. And that's where fear comes from. So if you believe that being present and doing the work, like like I said, really understanding who you are, what you care about, what's important, and then you're in the present, I think you make much better decisions all the way around. And then the future is laid open for you as opposed to something that is frightening. Right. So then the courage becomes really more of a, an energy, a momentum for you, a force accelerator, if you will. And you know, the more you live in that space of bravery, I have a sign on my wall that says courageous authenticity, because I want to be brave, but I want to be brave enough to own who I am and bring that out into the world and manifest it. And so I believe that. So for all of your listeners to really believe that they are enough, that they have what it takes to be successful and in any way that they want to be and be the person that they want to be. So be present, do that work and keep fear somewhere out of your viewfinder. And I know you can be successful. And what's fear is evidence appearing real or some, there's an acronym, but yeah, fear, we don't know what it is. And yeah, do the work and do the thing, do the scary thing. And that's what I talk about a why not today. Like yeah. do the thing and just, Take that step because you just never know where it's going to lead you. Talk to that person. And um, yeah, so we go on and on. So I always at the end, talk about connections to my dad, which a lot of people are like, I never met your dad. And, but you did meet my dad. So my oh. favorite story of my dad, and I can, because I've heard it so many times, I can see it. I can feel it. I can smell this conversation with my father. So share just because it's a, it's a great story <laughs> is when you first met my dad. 
<laughs> well, actually, I had met him once before, okay. um, but it was my first day on the job at the Reston Chamber of Commerce. And first of all, I walked in on my first day and the other two staff members quit. So it was just me there that day. And it wasn't because of me, but it was because of how things were handled that they weren't happy with. So the first thing I did was call a an employment agency and get a temp over there <laughs> to answer the phones while I was sorting things through. So the temp buzzed me in the back room and she whispered into the phone. She said, there's somebody here to see you. And I said, um, who might that be? And she said, I don't know, but he has a patch over his eye. <laughs> so I knew who it was and I walked out. And just like you, the whole sensation, all of my senses are filled thinking back. So there was your dad in his, his faded bell-bottom blue jeans, flip-flops, flip-flops. Um, did have a patch over his eye, of course, which is your logo and his mustache, of course, famous mustache and a pipe in his mouth. His arms crossed holding his pipe. Exactly. (laughs) Cropped up holding that pipe. And he may have even had sunglasses on at that point. It was, it was a spring day. And he, he said, um, welcome. He said, I just want you to know that I'm here. And whatever you need, I'm here for you. And I don't even think I told him what had happened that day. <laughs> that I had no staff anymore. I just thanked him. And um, yeah, it was such a, a wonderful, gosh, sensation in so many ways. But to know that he was there, because I knew the history, of course, that he had started the chamber. He was the chairman for the first couple of years and that he you know, was such a strong leader in the community that I was like, all right, I can do this. So to your point, you know, it it was almost like he was saying, why not today? Let's just, let's make this happen. And isn't that interesting? Your last statement talked about everything we talked about, paying attention to people, being there for people, strength for people, leadership skills. I mean, all the things we just talked about just in that one sentence. Yeah, he was the best. That's what we do. So remember, do those things for people. So thank you, Karen. This has been fun. We could go on and on and on forever. We need to finish this up with a walk around the lake. But thank you, everybody, for listening and checking out the Why Not Today podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google, all those things. And I'm super excited to say that the website is finally ready and done. So check out the uh, Why Not Today podcast website. You can see all the episodes there. Um, We have courage cards on there. We have some merchandise. You get t-shirts and cups and fun stuff. Um, Check it out and make sure you review, share, like this podcast. And again, thank you, Karen, for joining me. It's been fun to catch up with you this way. Sure is. Thanks, Leslie. You're welcome. Thank you.